our Impacting Life 24-7 sponsors are unique in that they help us to continue to impact one life, one day at a time. Our gold sponsors, Michelle Perry. She is the host of the Successful Diligence podcast and best-selling author of The Pebble in My Shoe. You can connect with Michelle and get a copy of her book at SuccessfulDiligence.com. Paula Cousson has dedicated her life volunteering in community youth programs such as the Young Marines. Paula believes that the greatest asset each young person has is at least one caring adult in their life. Donald Lamb, he and his wife have been happily married for over 35 years. He is the proud father of one daughter and three sons. Donald honorably served his country for over 22 years in the United States Army and retired with distinction. Active in his community, Donald is the owner and operator of Mama's Boy Event Planning and Coordinating Services. Connect with Donald at facebook.com forward slash Mama's Boy Events Coordinating. Amanda Aker, coming from a past of drug abuse, homelessness, and being a convicted felon, Amanda has broken through and was able to let the good things into her life. Amanda is now on a mission to inspire and motivate people just like you. Amanda's core message is that our past does not define us and we are way stronger than we think. Connect with Amanda at facebook.com forward slash amanda.acre2017. Our platinum sponsors, Mr. Gregory Smith. He is the author of 100 Simple Ways How to Manage a Property and Evidence Room. Get your copy by reaching out to Gregory Smith on Facebook or email him at smithg1963 at yahoo.com. Adrian Barker, she is the host of the Adrian Barker Speaks podcast, a life coach and CEO of Professional Global Etiquette. Please connect with her at professionalglobaletiquette.com. Mr. Mike Black from Newburn, North Carolina. Mike helps men throughout Eastern Carolina lead a faith-filled life. He is a compassionate leader in his church and a devoted husband and father. Dr. Nate Dunlap Jr. He is the executive director of the PRF Institute. He's the author of What's Next? Preparing for Eternity and Don't Leave Me Like This, Inspiration to Leave a Legacy. As a 501c3 organization, the PRF Institute is blessed to be the premier stewardship-based teaching ministry that truly responds to the needs of others in the community. Contact him at prfinstitute.org. If you would like to become a sponsor of Impacting Life 24-7, it's very simple. Just visit clkingspeaker.com. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Just visit clkingspeaker.com. Thank you for tuning in to Impacting Life 24-7 with your host, C.L. King. Let me thank one more person here. Thank you, Dr. Dunlap. So I always have trouble getting his name in there. Just like to like to do that. Our sponsors are are people that serve throughout the community in various capacities throughout the country, and we try to we try to reciprocate their generosity by promoting their what they do on our show throughout the show. And you know that that commercial is heard on about 30 different platforms throughout the country, 44 states and over 30 different countries. And so we're thankful for our sponsors. If you'd like to become a sponsor, it's really simple. It's easy. Y'all just go to clkingspeaker.com, clkingspeaker.com. I probably should have some, some other intro music on to lighten the mood, but 
nonetheless, I'm coming to you live from Impactville, right here, sitting atop the roof E Plowden Legacy Chair. And I have something, a message that you notice I got the Impact Motivator hat on tonight for those of you that can see me. And for those of you who can't, just please trust that that's exactly what I'm wearing. And uh, we thank, we're thankful for our podcast audience, which is the larger percentage of those that tune in. Tune in by purposely and intentionally downloading the podcast. And uh, we're hosted on Podbean. That is our host podcast um, vehicle and we're thankful because we've been with them now for several years and so here we are tonight I'm going to get right to it don't want to belabor the point because as you know sometimes when the impact motivator has to speak sometimes it can be can be a little bit uh, (laughs) listen 85 to 90 percent of the messages that I deliver as the impact motivator. I deliver them with positivity. And 100% of them, I deliver with the hope that they would impact someone, one life. What you have to realize is, is that not every time, it's not every time, but sometimes you have to bring a message of clarity, a clarion call, and a clear warning, and just say, hey, look, I'm just reminding you of where we are. And so tonight, I'm going to talk to you about spatial disorientation. Tonight, as the Impact Motivator on Impact Life 24-7, I am coming to you to talk to you tonight about spatial disorientation. Spatial disorientation. And let's let's see just real quick what spatial disorientation is relative to an aviator. It usually means it is the inability to determine altitude or attitude or speed. Spatial disorientation is the inability to determine altitude, the attitude or speed of the aircraft. It is most critical at night or during poor weather when there is no visible horizon since vision is the dominant sense for orientation. Understand that having vision and understanding how vision works with orientation, spatial disorientation is caused by some very key factors. Poor weather. No visible horizon. And also the auditory system, the vestibular system that's within the ear, and then the proprioceptive system, sensory receptors located on the skin, the muscles, the tendons, and joints. Collectively, they all work together to coordinate movement with balance and can also create illusionary, non-visual sensations. Did you hear what I said? That the very things that you have in your possession, within your inner ear, located on your skin and muscles and tendons and joints, 
the very things that work to coordinate movement and balance can also create illusionary non-visual sensations resulting in spatial dis- disorientation in the absence of strong visual cues. In the absence of strong visual cues, one can succumb to spatial disorientation. And that's what I'm here as the impact motivator on Impact in Life 24-7 to discuss with you that I feel that we are living in a time of spatial disorientation. I feel that our times have shifted so much that the very things that were designed to give us balance and the very things that were collectively designed to coordinate movement as a human race are now the very things that have created illusionary, non-visual sensations resulting in spatial disorientation. And there is a foot, an erosion, and the absence of strong visual cues. I know, I know sometimes people would say, can you talk a lot about aviation? Because I feel that in my next life, I'm going to be a pilot. Maybe not in this one, but maybe in the life to come. John F. Kennedy. Greetings, Mr. VP. John F. Kennedy probably be, probably became disoriented. John F. Kennedy Jr. During a nighttime descent into Martha's Vineyard. This was 1999. That's that's before that's before 9/11, y'all. That that that's that's 23 years ago. It might as well have been 23 centuries ago. Nobody is planting their flag in 1999, but John F. Kennedy Jr. probably became disoriented during a nighttime descent, like I said, into Martha's Vineyard, losing control of his high-performance aircraft and spiraling into the Atlantic Ocean, said the National Transportation Safety Board. The NTSB put out a message that said the plane likely crashed because of Kennedy's failure to maintain control of the airplane during a descent over water at night, which was a result of spatial disorientation. That's what the board said. The factors in the accident were haze and the dark night. Haze and the dark night. And I'm here to tell you, as the impact motivator, sitting in the Ruth E. Plowden legacy chair, high in the the virtual studios of Impacting Life 24-7, I have come tonight to deliver a message to you that I feel that we are easing ourselves into this phenomena called spatial disorientation. The crash killed Kennedy 
his wife, Carolyn, Bessett Kennedy, and her sister, Lauren Bessett, as they flew from Caldwell, New Jersey, to the vineyards on July 16th, 1999, with Kennedy as the only pilot on the single-engine Piper Saratoga. John F. Kennedy Jr. was flying this plane, and the sensitivity of the high-profile crash and, uh, you know, with the investigation was evident. It was, it was evident that this was a sensitive time. Here again, another Kennedy is gone. You know, there was no formal meeting by the NTSB or vote by the five-person board. The report was mostly raw facts with very little analyses and no recommendations to prevent similar crashes. The treatment that other less noticed general aviation accidents usually receive. That's right. I'm here to talk to you, ladies and gentlemen, as the impact motivator about spatial disorientation. You must be aware. You must be alert to the conditions around you because the late John F. Kennedy Jr. was not. A spokesperson for the late Senator Edward Kennedy, said the family would have no comment on the NTSB report. The report generally confirmed the thinking of most pilots and other aviation professionals at the time that Kennedy had flown into a black hole with no horizon or lights from the stars to help keep him in an oriented fashion of flight. Does that not sound like the times we have slipped into? He, f- he flew, ladies and gentlemen, into a black hole. And he had no outside stimuli, lights, or stars to help him keep his orientation. In that situation, pilots must craftily trust their instruments because they will likely have illusions that make them unable to accurately determine how the plane is moving. The very things, ladies and gentlemen, that are in your body to help you orient and move forward are the very things that will work against you with spatial disorientation. So you gotta understand, there's a couple elements. The auditory system the vestibular system within the inner ear, and the proprioceptive system, sensory receptors such as the skin, muscles, and tendons, and joints. They work collectively, ladies and gentlemen, if with to help you achieve movement and balance. But they can also create illusionary, non-visual sensations resulting in spatial disorientation. I'm laboring the point, y'all, because when I come to give you a keynote address, it's important. We must be aware. Our young people must be aware. Our moms and dads must be aware. Our pastors and leaders must be aware. Our elected officials must be aware of this phenomenon called spatial disorientation. And unfortunately, the late, 
John F. Kennedy Jr. succumb to this phenomenon. The report that they gave did add considerable detail to the hours leading up to the Kennedy takeoff, including weather forecasts that may have been misleading. His flight instructor also said he had offered to fly with Kennedy that night, but Kennedy replied uh, he wanted to do it alone. He, the instructor, said, the instructor said this. Watch what he said. He also stated that he would not have felt comfortable with the accident pilot conducting night flight operations on a route similar to the one flown in the weather conditions similar to those that existed on the night of the accident. In other words, he said, I would not have felt, I would not have felt comfortable with Mr. Kennedy flying that plane, given all the circumstances, given the haze and the fog and the darkness and, and the lack of a landmark for him to get his orientation. I would not have been comfortable with him at the helm of that plane. But yet, Mr. Kennedy said, I'll go it alone. And you can't tell me, ladies and gentlemen, that we are so at ease in the t current times that we live in that we don't recognize that man, there are some things that, that are upside down. Rod Parsley said, a world living on its head. The report painted Kennedy as a low-time pilot. He only had 310 hours of flight. That's about six weeks. Span, spread over months and months and months. But they said about him that he was careful and that he was methodical and seriously interested in becoming a better pilot. So he had the right intentions, ladies and gentlemen, but the best of intentions and the best of being meticulous and the best of being careful and interested in becoming better can still cause you to succumb to the phenomena called spatial disorientation investigators also determined that he had taken the same route he had taken the same general route from New Jersey airports to Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts he had done that same route 17 other times within the 15 months before his death and at least five of those times ladies and gentlemen he flew it at night. So because it's been because it has become routine and because it's been he's logged it down 17 times and because five of those times he realized that he was able to pull it off at night. He didn't he did not take into account that the conditions could change and he was not certified to fly that plane under certain conditions. See Kennedy needed clear weather conditions to fly the night of the flight. He was not under the control of the air traffic controllers and he had not yet received this rating that would have allowed him to fly on only instruments into conditions that had poor visibility. He wasn't qualified. He wasn't certified to use the, the instruments that very well could have saved his life because he just did not have enough time. And so he became delusional in the elements now, Kennedy passed his written instru instrument examination on March 12, 1999, with a 78% score and had satisfactorily completed 12 of the 25 lessons that would allow him to be certified to fly instrument flying.
His instructor said Kennedy's basic instrument flying skills were excellent, but he stated that the pilot had trouble managing multiple tasks while flying, which he felt was normal with that pilot's level of experience. Kennedy had also sustained a foot injury. If you guys remember in your mind's eye, go back that Kennedy was wearing a foot boot in a hang glider accident and was wearing a cast the night of the flight. The instructor said that the, the flight on June 25th, three weeks before his crash, Kennedy performed a landing but needed help manipulating the rudder pedals because he had a cast on his foot and the rudder pedals are controlled by your feet. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. I'm talking about spatial disorientation. The report says that most of the aircraft that crashed was recovered and no mechanical defects had been found. The instruments that Kennedy had would have needed to fly the aircraft in the dark, hazy night show no evidence of pre-crash failure. However, there were indications that Kennedy had turned off the autopilot before the crash. The autopilot contains an altitude hold feature that would have righted the plane and leveled it out automatically if Kennedy had used it. The report said Kennedy or someone using his code made two weather requests. And the reports came back with this, with this status, that there were generally clear skies and visibility for four to six miles with some haze. However, Kennedy did not access the National Weather Service forecast. Sometimes you can't just do things on the surface, ladies and gentlemen. Sometimes you can't just take the, the local, uh, you can't take the local barnyard weather report. Sometimes you got to find out. I know what the weather says here, but what does it say about my final destination? There's a whole lot of land and a whole lot of air between where I started and where I finished. He didn't access the National Weather Service forecast for weather observations on the website. The site indicated somewhat worse conditions off the coast with haze extending seven to 8,000 feet higher than his planned 6,000 foot cruising altitude. Another pilot said that he had called a Federal Aviation Administration Flight Service office before leaving on the same route and was told emphatically no adverse conditions. Have a great weekend. However, he said later that poor conditioning. I had no visual reference of any kind, yet was free of clouds and fog. So he said, I had no reference of what was the sky and what was the ground. And there was no haze or clouds or fog on my route. The movements of Kennedy's plane appear to be similar to someone going through spatial disorientation. I'm talking to you tonight. Listen to me. The plane made several turns, alternately climbing and descending. In the end, the plane went into an increasingly tight turn, its speed increasing, and its nose turning down. The plane's rate of descent reached an estimated 4,700 feet per minute before the aircraft hit the water nose down. And the elements that were in John F. Kennedy Jr.'s possessions, his auditory, his perception, 
his skin, his muscles, his tendons, they all work in tandem to keep us balanced and moving forward. But when we slip into spatial disorientation, the pilots say this, ladies and gentlemen, that you have to fly by the seat of your pants. So in other words, when you don't know what's up and when you don't know what's down, you have to fly the plane. You can't be trying to figure out, okay, is this stars over there? Is it a moon over You got nothing. You have to fly the plane. And without the credentials of using instrument, you have to look at your artificial horizon to tell you whether you're going up or whether you're going down. But listen to me closely. Spatial disorientation causes you to think that down is up and up is down. And I feel that we are casually slipping into a time period where we have, as a society, slipped into this thing called spatial disorientation. If you don't believe me, if you don't believe me, then listen to the scripture in Isaiah. Isaiah gives us several woes in Isaiah chapter 5. And watch this. Isaiah chapter, Isaiah chapter 5 says this. Woe to them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. We've gotten so smart. We've gotten so intellectually gifted. We've gotten so wise in our own eyes that we don't realize that our plane is flying upside down. The conditions of spatial disorientation will say you can be spinning around to the right. And they did this with test pilots. They spun them around to the right. And when spatial disorientation kicks in, they think they're still spinning when the chair is stopped. They ask them to hold up their thumbs and point in which direction they're spinning. And the pilots started spinning to the left, indicating they were spinning to the left. And the chair was bone chillingly still because spatial disorientation had kicked in. And now they thought that in their, in their sedentary state, they were still moving. And so what does it cause us to do? It causes us to overcompensate in a direction that we don't need to go. It causes us to cause our plane to take on a trajectory that it's not supposed to take because we don't know what's up and we don't know what's down. Spatial disorientation gets you casual. You flying along. Oh, man, I got this. I done flew this route 17 times. God rest the man's soul. But I'm, I'm using this as an example because I want you to hear the voice of the impact motivator. I done flew this route enough times. Young people, hear me. You done, you, done, you done pulled it off enough. You done pulled the wool of your parents' eyes enough to where they didn't catch you this time. And they didn't catch you last time. And your pastor didn't catch you this time. And your uncle didn't catch you. And the school teacher didn't catch you. But guess what? You're going to fly into some conditions that one day you won't be able to use your instrumentation. You'll have to be able to to fly by the seat of your pants and most people get caught because they, they get captured by spatial disorientation. Spatial disorientation is not some sort of mystical theory. It's a real theory. It's a real phenomenon. In fact, they say you will not be able to tell in most cases when a plane banks to the left or to the right, unless you have some sort of reference 
that the plane is turning. You won't know that it's up or you won't know that it's down. You won't know that it's turning to the right or turning to the left because you need you need some sort of landmarks. Are you feeling me? You need some sort of indicators. You need some sort of light that lets you know what's up and what's down in the dark. You need some sort you need some stars that give you an idea of where the horizon is. You need the moon to illuminate the sea so you don't go violently plunging into it. But no, but what we've done, we've allowed this time period that over the past two years we've allowed this this spatial disorientation to creep into the church and creep into our homes and creep into our society and now we're all saying down is up and up is down if you think I'm not telling you the truth turn on that God forsaken news I'm the impact motivator ladies and gentlemen I don't, I don't speak to hurt people but when I have a message, I make no apologies about it. I've been doing this 30 years. I'm coming to give you a message that the reason why John F. Kennedy Jr.'s plane plummeted into the Atlantic Ocean in 1999, that ill-fated flight was destined to crash because, number one, he was not an experienced pilot. Number two, the conditions were not conducive for his skill set. Number three, he did not know how to recover or compensate for the conditions that he was in. And so he began to overcompensate, taking his plane down when he should have very easily put his plane back on level flying. There, there was no question that it could have been recovered. But because spatial disorientation happened, he was destined to die. There was no landmarks. There was no pillars. You couldn't, you couldn't see the water breaking on the rocks as he's entering into Martha's vineyard. And something that he had done 17 other times, something that he had done five other times at night, something that he had done and, and casually pulled it off. This time, he wasn't, he wasn't skilled enough to do it. He had a boot on his leg. He was not, he was not skillful at managing multiple tasks. The, the, the conditions outside did not give him a clear picture of what was up and what was down. And so he began to take his plane in a direction that he shouldn't have taken it, even though he thought he was going the right way. So don't tell me just because we think we right doesn't mean we're always right. Let me tell you, we've become so politically correct and so socially acceptable that we can't ever say nothing is right or wrong anymore. It's all neutral. You know what neutrality gets you? It gets you a plummeting plane into the Atlantic Ocean. Sometimes we need people to just stand up and say, this is what I believe. Sometimes I, we need landmarks in our life. I know they're old. I know they're old-fashioned. I know they're weathered by the sea. I, I know sometimes we just want to, like John F. Kennedy Jr. said, I want to do it alone. The, 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 the flight instructor was a landmark for him. The flight instructor could have helped save his life, but now I want to do it alone. I got it. We're raising up a generation that says, you can't tell me nothing. I don't need no landmarks in my life. I don't need any direction. I got this. And let me tell you something. It was because of that mentality that that plane fell 4,700 
400 feet a minute into the icy cold waters of the Atlantic. Spatial disorientation is a real phenomenon. Woo! And I challenge you today, mom and dad, in spite of all what's going on in society, I challenge you, pastor and leader, I challenge you, political figure, I challenge you to stand firm on what you believe and not be, not be so swayed by the fog. We don't use this platform to take shots at people, positions, or anything. We don't do that on here. But I will tell you this, right is right and wrong is wrong. Now, in my house, I know what right is. Your house, right might be different. But I will tell you this, that there was a lot of land between where Kennedy took off in New Jersey to where Kennedy took off in where he was trying to land in Martha's Vineyard. And so the conditions may be fine in New Jersey. We heard pilots say that the skies were clear and gave him a salute. We, we, but he didn't realize that he didn't, he didn't study far enough in advance. He didn't look to the future enough. He was, only, he was only taking data in from where his present position was. But his present position was not his future position. Had he looked into the future and saw what was really awaiting him, he might have taken a different course spatial disorientation can grip you where you don't even realize you're being gripped spatial disorientation as an aviator it is the inability to determine altitude and attitude and speed of your vehicle it is most critical at night and in poor weather, where there's no visible horizon. Since vision, ladies and gentlemen, is the dominant sense of orientation, the auditory system, the vestibular system, that's within the inner ear, and the proprioceptive system, sensory receptors located in the skin and muscles and tendons and joints, these work collectively to coordinate movement, with balance. You need forward motion and you need balance. And these same elements can create illusory, non-visual sensations resulting in spatial disorientation in the absence of strong visual cues. Where are our strong visual cues today, ladies and gentlemen? Where are they? See, every time I bring that up, people want to go back to, well, back in the 1700s. I'm asking you today, where are our strong visual cues for this next generation to prevent them, to, to equip them for when they get ready to fly into some haze and some fog? Where are our strong visual, visual cues at? Where are those people that says, hey, listen, this is the direction. This is a good direction. This is a safe direction. Let me sit in the co-pilot seat with you. You're not experienced enough. You know, we want to give young people the right to do everything that, that, that they, they don't even have to ask their mom and dad to do anymore. They can drop out of school at 16 and go do commit Harry Carey. But there, there's got to be a generation that's rising up that says, no, I want some visual cues. No, I need some landmarks. No, I, I got to understand my orientation <laughs> because just because you 18 don't mean you grown and certainly don't mean you have experience boy I tell you what when the Lord dropped this on my heart I said Lord help me 
to help myself first. I got to fly the plane by the seat of my pants when it gets dark. I got to fly the I got to fly fly the plane by the seat of my pants when the haze rises rises up to my cruising altitude. I, I got to fly the plane. I got I got to I got to look at my artificial horizon. I got to make sure my plane stays level. And this is, you know, it's it wasn't just John Kennedy, ladies and gentlemen. See, without Without, and I'm going to be closing here in just a minute, but without visual references or cues, such as a visible horizon, humans will rely on non-visual senses to establish their sense of motion and equilibrium. During the abnormal acceleration of flight, the vestibular and the proprioceptive systems can mislead resulting in spatial disorientation. When an aircraft is maneuvering, inertial forces can can be created that changes the vehicle speed and changes the direction horizontally, and it can cause you resulting in perceptual misjudgment of the vertical. It can cause the combined forces working to, to achieve flight to work against you. All because there's no landmarks. All because there's no pillars. All because there's no, there's nothing saying this is the top and this is the bottom. Entering into a time period where you can't call right, right without offending someone. And you can't call wrong, wrong without being considered a hater. Right? Yeah, I I haven't named one particular thing. I'm just telling you that there there is a time period. I feel as a nation that the fog is rising to our cruising altitude. 1959 was the first case. I've studied every plane crash that's ever happened since aviation history, (laughs) to include the Wright brothers' misfortunes until they achieved flight. 1959, Clear Lake, Iowa. 1963, Candom, Tennessee. 1964, Nashville, Tennessee. 1978, Arabian Sea. 1978, Bering Strait. 1992, Panama. 1999, Atlantic Ocean. That was JFK's, JFK Jr. 2000, in Switzerland. In 2000, again, Bahrain. In 2000, again, Missouri. In 2004, the Red Sea. In 2007, Cameroon, Africa. In 2007, again, in Turkey. In 2008, Russia. In 2009, Waypoint, the Atlantic Ocean. In 2010, Libya. In 2010, again, Nepal. In 2012, Australia. In 2016, Russia. In 2019, Trinity Bay, Texas. In 2019, again, Japan. In 2020, California. Spatial disorientation is a real thing. Where the conditions that you are in cause you to say up is down, right is left, left is right. And no matter how hard 
unless you have a visual cue, unless you have something that lets you know, unless you have a banner, unless you have an artificial horizon, unless, unless, you, unless you have something out there that gives you an orientation, unless it's out there, you will continue to go in the direction you think that's helping you. And the very direction that you think is helping you is the direction that's going to take you down. Here's what I want to say, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for us to get under some banners of right and wrong. It's time for us to be aware of the times that we're living in. It's time for us to look. And, and young people, it's time for you to have banners in your life. It's time for you to have waypoints. It's time for you to have a shoreline. It's time for you to have someone say, no, this is far enough. This is, this is too far to go. Listen to me, because the conditions right now may be good in New Jersey. But when you fly down to Martha's Vineyard, the conditions are going to change. And you won't be ready things you use to try to keep you aloft will be the very things that take you down. The things you do to keep you in flight will be the very things that will cause you to crash. Up will be down and down will be up. And if you don't see that knocking on, on our societal door, then you've been asleep. <sighs> Sorry, folks. Sorry, that was so heavy. <laughs> but I do believe that we've got to be we've got to we've got to be clear on some things. You understand? Not every not everything is is neutral. Not every not everything is middle of the road. Well, you do it your way, I do it my way. You know what, young? You know what? That that's not the case in society. There's stop signs in society for a reason. There's red lights. There's there's curbing. There's speed limits. We we live in a society that tells us, hey man, this is the border. This is the boundary. This is the shoreline. This is up. This is down. This is right. This is wrong. But yet in our but in our societal levels, we're saying, oh, that's all right. We understand the fog and the clouds, and we get so mystified by the environment that we start saying, well, down is really up. It's it's all good. Push the stick down. That that that's how you'll go up. Spatial disorientation, the phenomena that took the life of John F. Kennedy that summer day in 1999 is again creeping in on a societal level. And it's time for us to say, here's some landmarks. I know, I know sometimes the landmarks can be inconvenient. I know sometimes the landmarks can be old and outdated. I know sometimes the landmarks are not very fashionable. But I'll tell you this. The landmarks keep your plane af afloat, <laughs> aloft. The landmarks keep your plane aloft. The stars in the sky let you know what's up. The glistening, shining moon lets you know you're you're still maintaining altitude. The ripples on the sea let you know you don't want to go down there. The thrashing waves along the shoreline 
gives you some perspective of how to fly straight. Spatial disorientation. I know not everybody will agree with this. I know not everybody will like it. I don't speak to hurt. But I do speak to challenge. I have to wear the hat and I wear it with pride, ladies and gentlemen. Spatial disorientation can catch you when you least expect it. You certainly think you're going right. It's possible to be convinced, absolutely sure of the direction you're going and be going in the wrong direction. I love you. Thank you guys so much for tolerating (laughs) the impact motivator. And that concludes our busy broadcast week. We got some new lights in the studio. I wish I could take the camera and turn it around, but I got junk all over my desk. I'll get it cleaned up. We're going to make some more modifications in here. We got some brand new lighting system. I'll maybe take a picture and show you guys on Facebook. So thankful for our sponsors who help make those types of things happen because people want to be on this show, ladies and gentlemen. I have no doubt that when I reach out to Denzel Washington, he's going to be like, okay, King, I'll come on and I'll waive my fee. (laughs) That's my goal. One of my goals is to interview Denzel Washington. So uh, you put out a high quality product, high quality people will follow. All right. But that doesn't mean we only seek after the Denzels, but why not shoot for the stars? The stars is up there. Let's get them. All right. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning into Impact Life 24-7. If you like to be, if you like to become a sponsor of what we're doing here, all you got to do is go to clkingspeaker.com. Next month, I'll be speaking at Southwest High School, and we do that without charging them. And part of the way that happens is because of our wonderful sponsors. There's a lot of great things that that we have coming up. I still can't tell you yet because we got to finish one last little detail, and then I can't wait to share the great news with you of the directions that Impacting Life 24-7 as an entity is going. I'm, I'm just thrilled to death. The journey that we are taking, it really has taken on legs more than just kind of doing a hobby podcast. You know what I'm saying? We, we got a whole lot more going on than that. So look for the book. The book is on schedule. Greg can take a sigh of relief and breathe. Uh, I might type even a little bit after this show. But uh, the book, Who Ate My Brownie, my first release book, it is more than just a memoir. It's a It's a depiction of how somebody can go through extreme adversity in life, which is what I did. The first 18 years, I was forged in a crucible of adversity. And I talk about those adverse times, but I also show you through my life how with God, no matter the adversity, you still can make it. Obviously, without him, I couldn't do anything. I don't make no apologies for giving him credit. Second person I give credit is to my foster mom, Ruth E. Plowden, because she took a kid who showed up to her doorstep with two hefty trash bags that's literally what they were the black trash bags had my clothes in it that's the way i came from the group home the better way group homes to ruth e plowden's house and um yeah the she said listen you can take all of the stuff that you went through and use it as an excuse or you can use it to change the world and guess what ruth e plowden was for me she was a landmark she let me know she let me know where the horizon was she let me know where the shoreline was. She was she was somebody I listened to. This woman took me in off the streets of Cleveland. And so she helped me main she helped me maintain altitude and kept me flying straight. 
and even when conditions came that that made it possible to, to succumb to spatial disorientation she qualified me to use my instruments one of the instruments she taught me to use was the bible read it chris <laughs> so 83 83 years old uh she had 83 foster kids i think she was a little older than 83 when she passed away i eulogized her funeral and uh she had 83 foster kids over 30 plus years and i tell this in my public speeches that i was her favorite all the other foster kids will have to get their own speech and tell tell something different so <laughs> but love mom and pops plowden they're the reasons why uh, like i said with it in addition to god that i was able to find some altitude even in the midst of the fog she said fly that plane boy by the seat of your pants and that's what you do in spatial disorientation you don't try to do nothing crafty you don't try to do nothing fancy in fact you don't make any adjustments adjustments will cause you to crash your plane find a landmark find the horizon and fly the plane that's the first rule of aviation when there's something amiss fly the plane and she taught us how to do that so take care ladies and gentlemen we will be back here next week we've got some interviews to do i'm looking forward to them and uh, can't wait to share all the great news looking forward for that book july 24th 2022 i think that's right yeah 724 22 greg came up with that 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 time and uh, it's really cool because it's 724 and we're just going to just have a great time promoting that and uh, inspiring saving some lives challenging some moms and dads helping some people that have maybe been living in the shadows of of child abuse and other things we're just gonna we're just gonna just run this thing if i tell i told people this and i tell them all the time if i don't make it if i don't make it I'm going to at least have tried. <laughs> and if I can't get there, maybe I can help somebody else get there. All right. God bless you. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Danny. So great to see you guys. Love y'all. Appreciate you. CLKingSpeaker.com. See you next week.